0: welcome to the sanctuary a safe space to speak from the heart i'm your host israel and my guest today is my friend uh man you started so many businesses and you always like when and you always leave right at the peak why did you do that anyway i didn't even say your name nicole thanks for coming to the sanctuary <laughs> today
1: yeah thanks for having me man
0: yeah um so it was raya and then it was vandal like okay let's know what are you currently working on now well
1: right now with everything going on with covid i have been in observer mode mostly i i've been a little bit tepid like i think most people are to make a a move in terms of uh talking about like a brand new vis- business adventure um so right now it's been like a really good time to just kind of like get to know myself and see where I really want to be at this stage, right? So um yeah, we can get into all the other stuff, uh, the other businesses and stuff like that, but uh yeah, it's been a it's been a journey of like um you know, getting to know myself even through the businesses or through this time like all of us spending all of our time home during COVID, mm-hmm. right? So yeah, I've been getting into more some of the teaching stuff that I do on the like the metaphysical side and the spiritual side so that's really where my focus something that was more of a hobby for me before has become something I'm feeling like putting my main attention on now like Mm. I'm thinking about writing a book and you know like uh expanding what I do in that space as well so
0: yeah okay so let's let's go way back then like um did you grow up like in a business oriented household like where did all the love for starting businesses come from
1: um definitely came from two different places one i hated school
0: me and you um, both
1: <laughs> yeah you know and that's funny like i uh, i almost got kicked well i got kicked out of high school once and then almost a the second time wow. Just because, you know, people like us that are very, like, uh, creative, it's not easy to sit yeah. still and just regurgitate, yeah. right? You know that. So, school was horrible. And, you know, I thought, you know, if uh, if this is what going to school, like, going to school means you go and be a worker. I always knew, like, I told my mom from a very young age, I'm like, I'm going to never be a worker. I'm never going to be um, ever able to sit in an office, you know, and just, like, work for somebody else I, I've always known that since I was a kid when I was 11 years old like we lived in an apartment complex mm-hmm. and I used to put up little notices in the laundry room that I would take people's garbage out for two dollars a bag like I always had that in me that I you know um a little bit of an entrepreneur spirit mm-hmm. where like I was I was always making money even as a kid <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> so um how was that business though like did you get a lot of people ask for your uh, thing to be taken out
1: yeah a hundred percent. Like uh, a lot of people were super, la- you know, there's a lot of super lazy people out there. They didn't want to take out these big trash bags. And I had this cool little trolley and I would just stuff it full of bags and like <laughs> take it out for, for two bucks. And like, you know, that was like my, my snack money, my lunch money, whatever. Right. And I was always hustling kids at school and stuff like that. But besides that, uh, my mother was also in business. My mother was an entrepreneur at different times in her life as mm. well. Um, so she, she did kind of influenced me a little bit in that way. Um, but in, in and she also ended up working for me when I owned my businesses, which was really cool. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> so I've always had kind of had that like that, that support. So yeah, I, it was never like, looked down on when I was a okay, kid. being an entrepreneur was a cool Yeah, thing.
0: No, that, that's really nice, you know, especially when you have those style of support. So where, where did he go from from the trash bag? What was the next business? And then, <laughs> how did he build all the way to riot?
1: Oh, like in between the trash bags and riot, there was a few different things. Uh, I was a music producer at one point. Oh. Uh DJing. I uh, I uh, joined the navy. I was uh, in the navy for about six years. Oh, well, I didn't uh, know a this. What did you do in the navy? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I was a sonar operator. I ended my career in submarines doing some pretty cool stuff Holy there. shit! Wait, 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 um, wait, wait,
0: wait, wait, wait. Okay, yeah. so let's start with the sonar thing. Sonar is the, is the, like, the, to to kind of know distance based on sound under this thing, right? Yep. Okay. Yeah,
1: yeah, sound and frequency was always my, was always, like, my thing. I was a, I was a DJ since the age of 13. I had a DJ club in, in junior high, and I always played music, and I always kind of, like, was in that, so... When I decided, I was I think I was twenty three or something like that at the time. I joined the navy. Um, I was like, I want to travel the world. Like, I I just knew I had a little bit of wanderlust. It wasn't because like I wanted to like serve my country. It wasn't like this big noble thing, right? <laughs> like, I wanted a free ticket to go across the yeah. world. Like, I and and that's basically it served its purpose for that. But once the once the whole oh you might have to go to war thing kind of really kicked in, <laughs> which. <laughs> It only took me six years to kind of think about that. I, I got out Yeah, on good terms, too. So
0: yeah. what are some of the countries you went to? Uh, some of the countries I went to in the
1: mm-hmm. Navy, uh, there was a lot because we were on the East Coast. Um, I did a lot of basically from Halifax all the way down to like the Bahamas a lot. Um, there's a lot of sailing basically from here to Europe as well. Um, a little bit the Middle East and a little bit like uh, uh, the the Horn of Africa.
0: Oh, wow. Wow, wow, wow. So when in how long were you on the boat for and when did the switch to the submarines happen
1: uh i switched i initially i wanted to go to submarines uh right away but i had an ear problem um so once i healed my inner ear i know it's kind of weird because there's a lot of pressure uh, oh. in the submarine so you had, have to go through a kind of, of like that thing that happens on triggers. the planes
0: right oh. yep yep exactly
1: yeah um and you're underwater for two weeks at a time so your your health has to be really really good um so once i solved that i did it was four years on surface boats on what they're called frigates um uh then i switched over and did my last two years as a submariner
0: god damn it so so like uh i guess he goes in in halifax and then he doesn't come out at all till he gets to where it's going is that how it works
1: Um, not necessarily, especially the ones that we have, and I can't really get into it too much, but they, um, typically you spend most of, you you go for like two weeks at a time underwater, um, and then you come up to charge the batteries because they're diesel, uh, diesel powered, uh, sorry, the diesel engines charge the batteries that make it so that it can go underwater, right? So you do kind of come up, um, often. Um, but our submarines don't, they're not super functional at this stage. So they we didn't sail a lot in the submariner in the submarines. And actually that's one of the biggest reasons why I got out. Cause I was so bored, <laughs> you know, like, you know what I mean? Like a lot of my time, it was just alongside like sitting in an office. Like I said, I would never want to yeah. do. Um, so that kind of, that kind of killed me like spiritually, but you know, that's, you know, when it's a good time to like mm, move on from mm. something. I remember having a conversation one day and somebody was like, what would you do? Like, if you could do anything, I was like, just kind of off the top of my head, I was like, I think I'd own a restaurant. So like when I got to the Navy, I just decided like, you know, that's probably what I'm going to do. Uh, Where did restaurant. the
0: restaurant idea come from? Like, like, have you ever like walked that one or?
1: Yeah. Um, so actually for, until I joined the Navy in between, while I was doing music and stuff like that too, I was also, um, a chef. so I cooked as well so I'm kind of like one of these people that's just kind of like a jack of all trades and I just kind of like you're asking you just move from one thing to the yeah like some people want like a solid career you know like where they just do the same thing for the rest of their life I'm not that person like I want to I want to taste everything in life you know what I mean like I when I get an inspiration that I want to like experience Mm -hmm. something that's what i'm about like i'm i'm not here to impress anybody yeah, i'm here to like yeah experience what i got to do and i think you and monica are the same way like <laughs> i'm so inspired by you guys like you guys are powerhouses like when you want to do something you just do it like, there's
0: no there's no cap. <laughs> yeah i filter. mean you, you, right? you, i i think you know i think it is just a, a nice way to live your life because you know you don't like and i i, I whenever i say this i sound morbid but like, I could just literally fall down and die now. Yes. I, and, like, yes. <laughs> I don't want to be, I don't want to die without, like, if I have something in my head, I just want to do it. It might work. It might not yeah. work. But, like, I don't want to die without not doing it. Like, that's yes, just how exactly. I feel.
1: Me too. I'm exactly the same way. That's, like, my mantra for life is you're going to die. <laughs> if I'm feeling uninspired, you're going to die. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. What am I yeah. doing about yeah. it? Then? Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. yeah
0: um so so what was the process for starting riot though and like how did you choose that location and the logo the logo is dope (laughs) yeah
1: i get a lot of compliments on that logo like i wasn't super confident about it at first but like looking back it's pretty cool um yeah the inspiration came because wanted to do like a like farm to table do something that hadn't been done yet like but the original idea was to do it fast food um but this comes from inexperience and not knowing how to set that up properly and how expensive like organic scratch made farm to table food was really going to be and how people would want to perceive and want to pay for that. So Mm. in a fast food format, people weren't really willing to pay like 14 bucks for like, (laughs) um, you know, like a burger and fries that were made from local organic farmers. Mm. Um, so we had to kind of adapt that model into more of a sit down model where people were coming in and they were like having their beer and like the whole thing. So Riot the whole idea behind it was to do like food revolution was the theme and like we used really beautiful like I loved I loved designing Riot because it was it was right out of my heart like it was street art. It was fun design. It was really really like you know good food but like with a cause Mm. right so it was it was really really nice and getting to learn about the farmers and meeting all the farmers and like interacting with them on a regular basis made me really super hyper aware of like our local food systems Mm. and food security and all these other things that like I was you know I just wanted to dive into the that world and and I didn't really know how much I was going to learn through that so yeah it was cool Mm. um the location sucked it sucked again yeah, yeah. It, it did suck. Why? Um, you, just because like it, it was cool, like Quimple Road's cool and it's getting cooler yeah. now. But there's no parking. There, and, is, like, no
0: parking <laughs> right? there
1: is no parking, yes. Right? There's no parking. So yeah. like my guests were getting towed. You know, like how they start towing people at four o'clock, right? So oh. um, location was kinda of poor and I didn't get a... And mind you, the restaurant was busy. Um the restaurant was busy, especially from Thursday to Sunday. It was pretty pretty slammed most nights Mm. um so the restaurant was doing quite good um when it ended however at the end of the run of riot vandal we also started vandal at the same time right so but vandal was just doing so good and it was like so profitable and so much more fun to run that we decided that it wasn't worth us just putting our energy in all these different places mm-hmm. to try and make all these things work. So we decided to basically like put all our efforts into Vandal at that time, because mm-hmm. um, it's just like in business or in arts, you know you you got to make you got to make your moves based on what you see is working and what's not, mm-hmm, right?
0: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
1: So we could have put in more effort and and would have stayed open, but we wouldn't have gotten the return. Oh, you yeah. know. So we are putting the same amount of effort into Vandal, for instance, and getting, like, a much, much higher return on investment. Mm -hmm. And it was just a blast to run. We felt like we were, like, obviously, like, kids in a candy store. (laughs) And it it was just, like, you know, acting like 12-year-olds every day. It was a lot of
0: fun. So riot was happening. At what point did you think, oh, wait, I'm going to start something else? At what point did Vandal come into the picture?
1: So Vandal came as a joke at first. Like, so I have this book, like... Um, where I just write like I love branding like I love creating businesses for no reason so I've got this like notebook of just businesses that I've made up in my mind anything from pizza shops like it doesn't even matter like roller skating places like I've got it all (laughs) and like and I'll draw them out in my imagination and and what it would look like and like what would be on the menu or what would be on the walls and I like for some reason I I did Vandal and I was like man this is so much fun so we just started like making donuts at the restaurant um just based off this drawing of this cartoon that mm. i ended up making and then people just started buying them like crazy so we were like oh that's kind of interesting never thought anything about it then a friend mm-hmm. called and said yo ace burger's leaving gus's pub you guys should take that and put riot in there mm. and we were like yeah that's a great idea so we we're gonna open a second riot meanwhile we had this thing in the back of our heads we're like oh shoot mate, let's just do the donut shop." Mm. Let's just try it. It's a joke. Like, it just looks like fun. Like, let's just open a a donut shop in a bar. How funny would that be? Like, and not just a bar, but like a dive bar with like VLT machines and like smelly carpets. Like, let's just do it. Like, why not? Like, we didn't think it was going to be like what it was. Um, And I think that's because fate loves irony. Not to quote Elon Musk, what he just said about Dogecoin. Mm. But it's true. It's true. When people are just frigging around and like coming straight from the heart mm. it might seem like a joke but it, it just emits the spirit right
0: yeah, yeah of yeah. fun
1: and i think that's what it was
0: right so um like you got into Gus's pub and like it just ran crazy right away <laughs> like yeah it just
1: well it took a few weeks like a month like went by and it was pretty slow mm. um but then the what actually made it pop off, I think, was... Uh, remember when kids were eating Tide Pods? <laughs> <laughs> Do you remember that? Yes. <laughs> right? Yes. All right. So when kids were eating Tide Pods, we were like, all right, well, let's make an edible Tide Pod so they can eat it and not die. <laughs> right? So we made a Tide Pod donut. And that that's actually what made the, the donut shop blow up. Because then it was, like, in Chatelaine magazine. It was, like, in the papers across the country, like... Oh my god look at these idiots they made this typod donut like you know like, um and so that's kind of like what it made it and that kind of like kept the energy from like us just making fun of people and making fun of culture mm. in that way with uh and kind of taught us about how what people really wanted to see
0: and then you know you kind of it grew a little bit bigger for gossess and then what was the process yeah. for getting that new location
1: excuse me for that um so basically that new location um in between that um at the end of the gus's pub run i had been diagnosed with uh breast cancer yeah so um that whole thing happened we decided that the we had to shut down for a little bit anyway because um i was the one who was like had made the menus doing the marketing like training the staff and doing all that kind of stuff and we had a manager at the time but like we knew that like We needed to do something. Mm. And also, Gus's pub didn't want us there anymore. Mm. Most people don't know that. We actually, I actually haven't talked about this before because, like, it was a little bit, like, I was trying to be very protective of the company. Mm. Um, But at the time, um, he actually wanted to get rid of us because he thought that it was um, uh, doing bad for his liquor sales. So he didn't think the donut shop was doing good for his business. That's the other topic for conversation. But, uh, um, yeah, so he wanted us gone. Um, so we were already looking for something. So we decided to put a pause Mm. when I came back, when I healed, when I did the whole thing and I was feeling much better, we decided, okay, now it's time to reopen Vandal. But, um, me personally, my heart was not in that business anymore. Mm. Um, and so that we actually came to the decision that we wanted to sell the company. Mm. Um, and so we sold it to a couple gentlemen, um, on Goddard Street. And they're actually the ones who now own it, and um, they're the ones who chose that new location. Um, if I, I'm gonna tell you a secret that nobody knows about this is that when I was thinking about reopening it, I wanted to do it at the Video Difference Building on Quimple Road. Whoa. I wanted to be, yeah, so well, before you're gonna the, take the whole wanders,
0: building if you did.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Man, that so would have been put,
0: the shit, though.
1: And I was gonna put an arcade in the top and like have like do the whole thing, oh. and it was gonna be cool. Um, but they wanted ten thousand bucks a month, and that's just like that wouldn't have
0: flown. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. expensive, right? Huh. Okay. So um, yeah. So yeah, they kind of did that. Well, you you kind of brushed this out, um, but we talked about this uh, a while ago. You you know you're diagnosed with cancer. Talk me. I mean, if you're okay talking about that, of course. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah.
1: So that was a whole. I mean, that's a whole podcast but like uh yeah i did get diagnosed with uh with a form of breast cancer which is really weird because at the time i was only 33 years old um so it was pretty shocking and it was stage three so also pretty shocking um and that's why like i knew that i had to kind of take some time uh, away from working um because obviously like as an entrepreneur you work like even as an artist you know you work like obscene hours when you're working for yourself Right. right so yeah. So I took that time. Um, I did actually end up healing it naturally. I did uh, water fasting, which was, is I'm not advising, this is not medical advice for anybody to do because I did my research and I've also like, I've been involved in like natural healing my, basically my whole life. It's always been a passion. So I did it through fasting. I went to Thailand. I fasted for 40 days and 40 nights on just water, coconut water, Sunshine and soaking in the salt water. And basically what that did was alkalize my body it allows the, ca- the cancer not to be able to grow your body becomes alkaline instead of acidic. Um, and your body naturally starts flushing out anything that doesn't belong with it when you're not eating food. Oh. Um, so when I came back and, and did the testing again, got all the results It said that there was no cancer after that. It was like miraculous. Wow. Um, and as you can see, like my relationship to food changed after that too, right? Mm. Like, um, so for me, uh, you couldn't pay me enough to want to sell people sugar anymore, mm. right? Because I knew how important a diet was now in the body because I had this life-changing experience and how it changed my life. And how I knew now that like, you know, eating this, you know, I, if, if, if I had done things differently, I probably wouldn't have had cancer is what I'm trying to say. Because mm. a lot of cancers, especially breast cancers, are me- metabolic oh. um, issues, Yeah. So, um, for me to go back and sell people sugar and sell people, um, the food that potentially would cause this kind of disease wasn't going to fly for me. So, um, that's why I kind of move myself now in more holistic, um, vision. And I always do things that are in line with my spirit, Mm. right? So if it's no longer lining up, it's time for me to pivot.
0: So, I mean, you know, you went to Thailand, uh, you took this, intense um you know period to take care of yourself take care of his body and then you came back but like as you mentioned uh you've always been spiritual and stuff well like how did that start for you the the spiritual part of of everything you do how did you how did yeah how did that begin how did you i guess learn about that yeah i i kind
1: of kind of grew up around it too like my my great-grandmother was a psychic my mother kind of read palms and did stuff like that and it was always like an open conversation um i just naturally gravitated towards buddhism very very young i studied meditation i um have always been very very in tune with my own intuition and have actively developed it over the years so it's not something that just kind of like you know, popped in one day and I became like a spiritual person. I think like, I just naturally, it's my soul's always been in line with, with spirituality and like, and, um, and connecting with, uh, with higher, higher power, whatever you want to call it. And even as a kid, I'm reading the Bible, you know, like, but not from a religious perspective. Like I read it because I know that there's deep wisdom in there. Mm -hmm. I'm not necessarily a dogmatic person, but I like, I'll read any religious text you give me and I'll like, I love it. You know, just like when you know you love something that you just didn't like. So, I love wisdom. Mm-hmm. I've always just been... I've just always been like that. Yeah. And I'm, like, always
0: seeking more. Right. And, like, yeah. I guess, you know, so... You're reading this as a kid. But at what time do you be like, okay, did you ta- start taking it most seriously?
1: Um, I took it more seriously after... Well... I actually went to Thailand once before. Um, I went to Thailand once before while I was in the Navy, just before I ended up leaving the Navy. Mm. And I had what's called a near-death experience, which means uh, uh, someone actually drugged my drink at a party there. And my heart stopped for a very short period of time. Mm. Um, And I had an experience where I felt like my physical body died and I felt like my spirit left my body. After that experience... when I came back, that was also a big spiritual awakening for me Um, because I no longer feared death. I also came when I, when I Mm -hmm. healed, I kind of came back with more in tune intuition. I came back with more psychic ability and um, I kind of really went hyper focus on that. So yeah, I think that was probably one of the things. And then also the breast cancer scare was another moment for me that was like, okay, now I just felt called to teach because of what I'd learned. Mm um, through my time, because I was there alone too. Like I was in silence for 40 days and 40 nights. And that's an intense meditation, Mm -hmm. like 40 days, 40 nights, no food, just your mind gets wild in there. But you will also, you also get pretty wise in a short period of time. Like every major religion, Buddhism, Christianity, um, Islam, they all have a 40 day fast, all of it. And all of them teach that. That silence and, and how to find that inner wisdom and how to like, you know, how to heal yourself naturally and all that. But we've, we've in the Western world become so disconnected from spirituality. Mm. It's such a colonized mind. Do you know what I mean? Like we're still, we don't realize how colonized our society and our, and our governments and our minds are over here that it's weird to say that I'm spiritual or it's, you know, it's, that's, or talk about natural healing. Ooh, that's, that's off key. Right. Mm. Isn't that weird? isn't that weird that, like, that that's the weird thing yeah yeah i yeah. <laughs> talking about nature or like healing with plants or or connecting to spirit spirit in general is is considered taboo mm. like i don't know that to me is is the sign that one of the major signs that i know that you know i think a, a long time ago i think we were cut off from from this knowing and i think it might have been intentional and I feel like it's what gives somebody their, their sovereignty and their own personal power.
0: Mm. So, <clears throat> so like, um, you know, I, I don't mean to harp on this thing, but I'm just imagining, I love food. I love food. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, yeah. I, and I can't imagine not eating for 40 days, but like how difficult was it for you first physically and then mentally? And then what was the result spiritually apart from like, you know, getting healed?
1: Yeah. So physically it's tough. Um, but you stop being hungry after four days, four to six days. It's just, you wouldn't believe it. Like you're just not hungry. Your body has like, for me, I had enough fat stores in my body. I was, you know, good to go that way. But like, um, so I had that under control. Body was fine. Body, the hunger pangs that you experience are just mental, for the most part, um, according to most people that are actually experts in this field, which, by the way, I'm not. So if anybody's looking for experts, um, there are many. I'm not one of them. Mm. Um, Mm. I feel like I'm still a student in that area. Um, Mentally, that was absolutely insane. You wouldn't believe how loud the mind gets when the body's not operating um, and digesting as much. Mm. So anything that's undigested starts coming up. And that means a thought from you when you were 12 years old that has been unprocessed will come up. You know, any unhealed trauma, any anything, um, emotions come up that you wouldn't believe. Like, um, and I think that's what comes up. So, anything that's stored in your body as an emotion, mm. it starts to come to the forefront of your mind to deal with. And I think that's the biggest part of the healing that I experience um never mind the physical part it really was mental Mm. and uh, i remember one day just being on my moped and just driving through this little town on the island i was staying at and i was enraged for no reason i was just like screaming at people in my mind like the anger that was coming up and then it was just and suddenly it was gone so at the end of the fast like fast forward 40 days i and then i started to eat again which brought me back into like not being in healing mode i was so light i was so energetic i was so motivated i was so like just blissfully happy that that fast cleared like a lot of anger it cleared a lot of like heaviness from my mind Mm. it was unbelievable like i was not not an athletic person israel i swear to god like within 30 days i was running triathlons whoa after a 40 day fast i came home was running triathlons like bike swim run every day like for hours i had so much vitality my like my life force was back Mm. it was crazy
0: wow that's that's profound that is profound so like but at any point in those days like was there any fear yeah
1: there was on day 13 i thought i was gonna die um Mm. i uh, got up one day and i felt nauseous like i was so sick and uh I was freaking out a little bit because I didn't know what to do. And uh, then all of a sudden, I just puked all over the place. And it was just stomach bile, you know, the disgusting yellow stuff that comes out of your stomach. And basically what that is, is that you're st- you're processing fat so quickly in the liver, like you're burning fat so quickly because you're not eating, that your liver and gallbladder can't keep up with it fast enough. And so that's oh. what happened. It was too much, too much uh, bile production, and I vomited. That's the only time it happened, though. Um after that it was smooth sailing like coconut water is so electric that when i would drink it honestly like i would go out for the day like i'd go to the beach i'd go for moped rides i'd go to i'd go shopping like you would if you weren't starving mm. and my life was pretty <laughs> yeah. normal like wow. it it wasn't actually like it's tough but it wasn't that bad
0: mm. So, like, was there any particular reason you felt you had to go to Thailand to do it? Uh, like, could you have done yeah. anywhere?
1: No. Um, I, I did a 27-day fast before I left and because I, I was trying to do it at home. But having people around you, like, it's so agitating. Like, and they're eating and, like, the small dramas of life. So I knew I needed to be alone. I went to Thailand because it's a part of Eastern culture, specifically in Thailand, that's already part of their healing. They, the fasting, uh, uh fasting clinics are everywhere. everywhere, everywhere. Fasting resorts, fasting clinics, fasting, fasting, fasting is part of Buddhist culture. Right. So, um, okay. I connected to that. I was like, okay, if I'm going to do it, there's going to be experts around me, um, support. Um, and I love Thailand. So it was just, of course, in the sunshine, right? Like mm. I made a vacation out of it kind of thing.
0: You know, anyway, you know, boy, you came back super energized healed and then you know vandal well by then you were like maybe this is not what i wanted to do but like um i guess you know for you because of how in tune you are to the spirit like um financial or economical advantages isn't something that's particular to you but vandal was like vandal right Mm -hmm. um and then was there any pressure from anywhere to just you know keep it going
1: everybody thought it was nuts even you (laughs) i remember you telling me i was nuts and yeah 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 i I understand like um that was a that that opportunity um could have even been bigger there was um and i'm not going to tell you who but there was a a president of a major chain company that came from toronto to halifax that offered um like a million dollar deal to say we're gonna we're gonna put this across the country and we declined it um which i know a lot of people were like are you out of your fucking mind (laughs) it's just like Mm -hmm. yes yes you are um um, yeah no it's just that for somebody like me like i when i'm doing something that doesn't feel good to like my spirit i get sick i genuinely get sick like i just can't continue with it and i've always Mm. been that way like i just like my body shuts down when i'm not doing something that vibes with me anymore and um you know it was very chaotic it was a very hard decision and it was the way it ended wasn't great and like i if i could go back i would probably like be a little bit calmer and and maybe take my time probably stay in the company a little bit longer and make sure that it was a slower um release but
0: you Mm. know
1: everything happened as it should i feel but yeah. Yeah, it was it was tough. It was a lot of pressure just keeping it.
0: Mm. You mentioned that when you were in, in Thailand you were like on your moped and then it just occurred to me, yeah, you ride your bike a lot. One of the one of the funny stories was that one day you just woke up and like, okay, I'm gonna just bike to PEI hmm. in the friggin' rain. <laughs> <laughs> what's wrong with you, Nicole? <laughs>
1: I don't know. That's the stuff that makes me feel alive, man. Like that's the stuff that makes me feel like there's a there's makes me feel like a great sense of like purpose is that I can wake up in the morning and just say fuck it i'm gonna do whatever i want mm. Mm.
0: <laughs> and, and I, I think you you went to like a bakery there or something like right yeah yeah like... <laughs> <laughs> yeah i went to, to
1: pei and i went to the Magdalen islands it was on a whim it, like like that's just so fun like the freedom sometimes that like i feel super grateful to be able to have is that sometimes i can mm-hmm. just like get up in the morning and get on my motorcycle and like say where am i gonna go like, I had no plan. I was thinking between Montreal or the Magdalen Islands. I chose the Magdalen Islands because I'd never been there. But
0: it was super fun. And, like, how long have you been biking? How did you get into biking?
1: I got into motorcycles
0: the first time I went to Thailand. Again, like, Thailand, oh.
1: there's, like, there's, like, there's so little rules there. Like, you can just do whatever you want. You can try whatever you want. <laughs> like, um, I think there's like, 20... 30, and also i drove motorcycles when i was a kid too it was a big part oh, yeah. of my like upbringing um we always had like four wheelers and dirt bikes and stuff like that and like i was obsessed um so when i started doing it as an adult it just clicked and it was like it's now it's like the most magical part of my life like i'm obsessed with my motorcycle most people that know me know that
0: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um <clears throat> and your dog have you always had pets yeah, yeah.
1: I love 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 having pets around. Specifically dogs. I just got a cat last year too, which is kind of cool. It's my first time like having my own cat and I like <laughs> took the time to like find the right one and all that kind of stuff and it's fun.
0: Mm-hmm. Wanted a little so, black cat. <laughs> yeah, you yeah, you like black too. Mm-hmm. Um but like okay. So you you let Vandal go and mm-hmm. then you you know, you did all these things that you wanted to do. Uh, you know, travel, ride wherever you want to go, but like kinda then from nowhere, COVID happened. Like, uh, when the very first wave happened early last year, were there things you planned to do and that COVID changed? Yeah.
1: Yeah. Um, there were definitely things that I was planning on doing. I was definitely planning on opening another business. Um, I was in the middle, at during COVID, of buying a commercial building in Kentville, which was this beautiful historic building, and uh, yeah, I had lots of plans. I was going to even do a brewery at one point to do some, well, honey wines. There's a lot of different projects that I had on the go, like pre-COVID, that all completely um, stopped. Um, and so during COVID, I've been working on, like very slowly working on writing a book, Um, and doing art. I'll be doing a mural on Goddagen Street within the next couple weeks or so um, Mm -hmm. on the Hopyard building there. Um, But other than that, it's just been art, art, writing, relaxing. I mean, there's not much else that we can really do, right?
0: Right, right, right. That's the other thing, you know, like, you know, I mentioned the logo for Riot. You did that, Bandal. You, like, pretty much were the creative brain behind all those, you know, images on the walls, Mm -hmm. on on the... on the boxes and Mm -hmm. and stuff like how did the art thing happen like have you always also been drawing growing up yeah
1: yeah that was just like my my stress relief as a kid as i used to go out on the curb and just draw pictures so i've always Mm. kind of like been into art and um painting and stuff like that it's always just been like a way of relaxing for me oh there's my dog
0: there. (laughs) Mm. yeah i see
1: yeah. So that's, it's always been a part of my life and it always definitely will be like, I'm, I'm thinking of doing some more creative direction in the future as well. And I was looking for like teams or like maybe small agencies that are, are going to be hiring because I don't necessarily want to open my own, but I love branding. Mm. I love developing uh, businesses for other people. I've done some of that for other companies as well. It's, it's really fun.
0: So then, uh, you know, another thing I wanted to talk, because I'm, I'm going to let you go soon. He's looking for attention. So, <laughs> so I'm going to let you go soon. But um, something I wanted to touch on was, you know, for Nocturne, you decided to do this crazy, crazy idea. It's like, you know, you do more you paint a wall, but you are now going to bring all that thing and then have someone tell you their life story and you're going to tell this story and they can. Mm-hmm. Where did that idea come from and, and how did you go about doing it?
1: Yeah, well the idea of of putting art on cans wasn't original. That one came from YouTube, but I started experimenting with um doing it myself and then naturally somebody I saw on on Instagram just wrote the story about her um singing for nickels like dolly parton songs for nickels like instead of a lemonade stand she would like sell songs for nickel i thought that was like the friggin' funniest and cutest thing that i've ever seen right, 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 and so i right. just like when i was doing the art for the cans i just drew one on the can and like i showed it to a couple people and they're like holy crap like that's so cool <laughs> It just yeah. so happened, like, the girl that did it, she was the the director of Nocturne, <laughs> right? So she invited me to, like, take the cans and, like, take the stories and, like, make a little exhibit of it. Um, yeah. So that's – it just – it was so organic. It was so fun. Like, it wasn't something that I was planning on doing at all.
0: So I asked for an ulterior motive. Where is my can, Nicole?
1: <laughs> I still have them. I've moved. I've moved three times since I've done that project, and I I have everything still packed up. But I do have your okay, can. Okay, you. so I just
0: need to. Well, well, when 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 we are back to normal and I can go out again, I'm coming to get my can. Yeah, man. Cause like yeah, <laughs> yeah, we'll go for coffee, and I'll bring your can. Right, right, right. Okay, so I'm gonna let you go with this though. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the the like I I actually I think I might have the answer to myself, but I'll just ask anyway. We live in the world at the end of the day we still live on this planet. As long as we are in this meat suit, we are here. Right? Um even though, you know, we might be from other places or had other lives or have like other things that We can't physically see, but spiritually there's a connection there. How do you like balance the two? Right, because we still have to leave here. Right, Mm -hmm. it's
1: hard. It's hard because you know sometimes knowing that we're having this temporary experience as a spiritual being can be a little bit like okay, well, what's the point? Right. But where I find the point and purpose where I find the connection between spirit and the material world is through art. It's through creation. It's literally through, I mean, the word word art and heart to me are the same thing. It's the same form of bringing something that is unknown into the material world. That to me is literally the connection between the higher and the lower worlds. So when I feel the most in a flow state, when I feel the most like in connection, it's having a heart-to-heart conversation or, like, creating some art or or just, like, putting myself into a situation where, like, I've never done something before, trying something Mm. new, getting into the unknown. I think that's where you find that connection. But it's Mm -hmm. when you get into routine and you start um, doing the things that you do all the time, that's when you start getting in that cycle of repeated experience, and that becomes Mm -hmm. painful. Because I don't think that... I think, like, when I talked about the colonized mind or the colonized world, I don't think this world is that we live in, that we've created so far, is natural, you know, like, art isn't revered in school, but the worker is that, like, I don't know, I just don't think, like, sitting in an office for eight hours a day is natural, I'm sorry, like, I think that's mm-hmm. hard on the human heart, um, mm-hmm. to not have that creativity and not have that experience, so as much as we need that, we do need that experience too in life to have like the world function. I think that we Mm -hmm. need a big shift right now. And I think that we're starting to see people wake up to that, that we can't just work to work anymore. Like it just doesn't, our hearts aren't in it. It's just not going to connect. I think we're in the middle Mm -hmm. of a great awakening spiritually. Like um, people are starting to really like push more for what they want and what they need. And, um, and I think that's a great sign of the times. Like I know things are dark, but I think that, you know, the dark comes with the light. Like, They're so we live in a polarity, right? Like one can't exist without the other, just like the the yin yang Mm -hmm. sign. And I feel like great awakening is happening along with a great reset of of all that darkness and stuff like that, too. So I think we're uncolonizing ourselves from the fact that, you know, the Mm -hmm. only place in the world is the Western world is the only one that doesn't talk about reincarnation. Almost mm-hmm. every other part of the world talks about mm-hmm. some form of the spirit leaving the body and maybe having another experience. So we need mm-hmm. to connect back over here and figure out how we, um, we do connect to spirit. Cause we're, we're just like soulless workers over here, man. Sometimes. And
0: most yeah. times are you kidding me? Like, uh, oh, anyway, yeah. I wouldn't even get into it. I was going to let you go, but I have one more question though. Mm-hmm. Um, like now, you know, we are going through this pandemic, right? What a, I mean, what are some, like, what advice would you give to people that are listening, watching this episode of, like, how best to navigate it?
1: Yeah. I think the best way to navigate the pandemic is to turn off your TV. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Um, Because when you're going through such a great change in the world, your nervous system is being enraged just being flared right like spend less time on social media you you don't you can't solve the world's problems it's a really 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 good time to connect with yourself it's a really 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 good time to learn more about yourself and reconnect with your passion and your art and and all those things you don't have to be connected to the storyline of what's going on all Mm. the time and that's what i would say is probably the most important thing is to disconnect from the narrative as much as you can because I don't know, I, I don't see the point in staying connected to the, to the fear-based paradigm all day, every day. Yeah, you just It's, it's detrimental exactly, to your health. it
0: only makes things worse because he it, it just, it's like putting gas in fire. just, mm-hmm. anyway, Nicole, I want to yep. have you back because you know, I had a list of things written here. I said I was going to talk about Taro. I was going to talk about your dog. I didn't talk about that. So there's a lot of things we need to talk about. Um, and uh, it would be great to have you back, but really, really thank you yep. so much for your time. I know he 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 thank went you. away he went away but I knew he needs attention so I, I, <laughs> I'm gonna let you go but really really thank you so much for coming to the sanctuary today.